Hello and welcome to Courage to Be, a podcast on becoming. This is episode number 22, and today Steve and I are going to be discussing meditation practices. Uh, the, the idea is to go a little bit over some of our um, path in this process, as we both have varying levels of experience with that. Um, Steve has much more than I do. Uh, and then also provide some just general instruction for folks that, or maybe some tips and tricks uh, for folks that are wanting to, to start incorporating this into their, into their life as well. So um, that's, that's the plan for today. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing good. As we start our conversation at 7 a.m. Yeah, an early morning podcast, but it'll it'll be uh, it'll be superb. It's it's because we like all you folks so much that that we're willing to be recording a podcast at <laughs> seven in the morning. That's for sure. I was just thinking maybe we should do a 30 minute silent meditation. Um, that would be go. good. Very good go. podcast material, right? We can just sit here in silence. Yeah, so well, early. <laughs> well, I, I get confused because you know, we have Zoom screenshots of each other and so i'm like yeah but they'll mm-hmm. see me drinking coffee throughout the 30 minute meditation but not really because we don't have the zoom up so it shows you yeah shows you my state of mind yeah if we had more resources i had actually as an aside had the thought it'd be fun to put the recording like because sometimes i'll record this too so we have backup audio i forgot to do that this time um but you know it'd be kind of fun to put that up on like youtube or something but then we'd have to edit both the podcast and, and this uh, and yeah yeah, yeah. Our gracious uh, engineer does it, you know, as a donation of his time. So I don't, don't think you don't, can ask yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But we have our coffee, and we have each other. We have all the the equipment, so we can we can do some some good work hopefully in this time. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to start off with, you know, what did you think mindfulness was or meditation was before you started it? Well, that's a good question. I I came to meditation, um training in psychology, training in clinical psych, and I ran into a couple of um, uh, supervisors, and one became a mentor of sorts, um, and it was for relaxation, you know, and I think a lot of people come to it for that, and mm-hmm. then I noticed, um, as I, I mean, I really took to it, I guess you could say, um, guided meditation mainly, back in the day, by CDs and you know, of different masters and semi-masters, you know, giving their best shot at guided meditation. So did it mainly for relaxation and uh, efficiency of mind, I guess you could say, in grad school. And I, again, took to it right away. But um, Mm -hmm. the more I did it, the more I, I expanded and would do silent meditation without the guided voices. Um, and really like that. And that, you know, gave me a springboard into studying Buddhist uh, instruction on pra- on practicing meditation, mm-hmm. and that was that became really really different. And I'll talk a little bit about the intent, purpose, and structure of uh, Buddhist meditation as opposed to mindfulness meditation. Do you recall um, what you thought it was before you actually did it? Like, if you could remember, like, what was your mental map of what meditation was before you received any instruction and you sat for the first time? Because I think sometimes we think we know what it is, and then when we do it, we realize it's something different. Yeah, well, even with one of the, my um, trainers talking about self-care and all that, and how he described, he didn't describe it in depth, but what he talked about was just kind of calming down and trying to follow your breath. Being candid, I thought, that's whacked, you know? <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, how can that, how can that help anything? 
And uh, boy, that seems like a privileged thing to do to sit around just breathing. But <laughs> but, but again, yeah, so a little bit of my culture self came out there. And he insisted that I try it. And he actually took me through a meditation um, in in supervision. And right away, I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, I didn't, I just thought it was a vacuous, who needs it? Um, and then again, in, almost instantaneously, we did a 10-minute guided meditation. And he did mm-hmm. it, and it just clicked. And he had me sit and breathe in uh, sparkles, like on Star Trek. Those little sparkly okay. things when they, you know, I guess get teleported. They're, they're beaming you aboard? Yeah, beaming you aboard, <laughs> yeah, beaming yeah. you back in. So I imagined those, and as I breathed in, took breath in through the nose, I he had me imagine that cleansing the body and then as i would breathe out that would breathe out you know stress and you know whatever mm-hmm. negativity in in the form of a a light smoke you know like pollution and i was hooked but i i didn't know what to expect and i struggled with it the first first couple of times thinking you know so i didn't have much of an idea other than trying to be relaxed when you did it mm-hmm. what about you well um so i also well, I actually came to it from from a very different place. Actually, this is this is interesting. I didn't even have this thought until you asked me that question. So mm-hmm. we'll see where this goes. Um, my initial exposure to meditation was actually um, from a from a Christian perspective of being told that it was really not okay, right? That that was actually like not good practice. It was like um, you were leaving yourself open to evil spirits if you meditate. That was actually my first exposure as a child to meditation. Mm-hmm. which I forgot about, um, like I said, until just now. Um, but as, as an adult, as I, as I, was, I started learning about mindfulness, um, it's kind of this buzz thing and counseling, right? Of like, oh, wellness and mindfulness and how great it is. And especially earlier in my career, I was pretty oppositional. And so the best way to get me to not do something was tell me how great it was and how I really needed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a, that's a great way for you to go like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not doing it. Um, so I was really resistant to it. And I also, um, I was listening to a Dharma talk pretty recently and I'm trying to remember the source. Um, and I, hopefully I can remember it before the end of the podcast. But um, this, this teacher was talking about this, you know, mindfulness being incorporated into everything now and how you can find mindfulness, you know, in, in all, being in places we would not assume that it would be. And we've kind of had this mic mindfulness culture happen where it's been commoditized. Um, and I think I was kind of having a reaction to, to the early stages of some of that. I mean, because that would have been late, you know, like 2007, 2008, 2009-ish when I was in my master's degree. Um, and so, you know, I would tell clients the benefits of mindfulness and encourage them to do it. But I would never actually do it myself because um, I'm like, I, I don't. Like, I don't see how this could actually do everything that it says to do, but it can for some people. And I believe the people that says it works for them. I just don't think it would work for me. It was kind of the, the attitude that I had. Um, and then the instruction that like when I would read about it, it'd be like, just, you know, focus. there's um, a really great book um, called Mindfulness in Plain English, I believe, um, that provides some instruction how to do mindfulness meditation practice. But it's like focusing on the, 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 the breath as it feels the tip of your nose going in and out, the coolness. That sort of thing. And it's like, okay, so you basically, you sit there, you feel cool air on your nose, and then all of a sudden everything gets better. That, come on, give me a break, mm-hmm. you know? 
I'm glad it works for some people. There's no way it worked for me. I'm somebody that has to be going all the time. I, you know, um, you've noticed that I'm sure Steve, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> the people in my life know that. Yeah. Um, working two jobs, playing in three bands. I just go. And so the idea of sitting still was awful, which is exactly why I needed to do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm glad I'm in a different place, but that was like my initial conceptualization was this kind of like resistance. And then also, Oh, we sit here silently focus on the breath. Um, and then, and then, you know, it's kind of like that old South park, you know, underpants gnome things, right. Where they have, you know, get all the underpants. There's some middle step that's, that's missing. And then at the end, you know, world domination, <laughs> it's like, that's, that was like my understanding of, of this. Um, it's like, there's something magical that occurs when you sit there and then everything's better. Right. And it's like, yeah, come on, I don't buy it. And so for me to kind of be a convert at this point is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So yeah. Reactions to that story. And then I've got to follow well, up. Well, I, it, it, uh, I, you make me, now you make me think, would I have continued with it if I didn't have a supervisor basically making me do it? You know, it was like a senior clinician and you, you really need to do this. Well, I let it lag for a couple of sessions and finally he was like, we're going to do it next time you come in, be ready. And, um, yeah, cause I, I was like, uh, no, this, this is silly. It, you know, there's no way it's going to, I get it through other things, you know, this relaxation thing, but it's funny now, a couple of decades, almost into Buddhism, or maybe a couple of decades if I counted, but I don't want to count. But, uh, you know, to be in a Zen tradition that emphasizes meditation as permitting us to basically feel alive, it's, mm -hmm. it's somewhat ironic to think I thought it would be boring and deadening to do. But uh, and that's that's kind of, that, that's the definition that came to me through different practitioners that sitting and breathing, you're creating the basic feeling of being you know focused and also alive. You're in the body. Uh, I've also been taught that meditation is the East's gift to the West because mm -hmm. there's there's not much. I don't think there's any recorded case or known case of anyone in the West doing the, the the yogic posture of sitting and breathing mm -hmm. in and breathing out so uh now i think it's pretty full-bodied for me and the different tactics i use but boy this the beginning was and it wasn't buddhist meditation in the beginning it was mm -hmm. just what you said that mindfulness and self-care is how it was originally introduced absolutely it's it's interesting um i've heard of like folk like um con contemplative prayer um, in terms of Western traditions of meditation, but I don't know if they right. got that from the East or not. I don't think so. Having read up, I mean, here's how analytical I can get. I mean, I've actually read mm -hmm. on the history of meditation, and again, it it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, to do contemplative practice is akin to meditation, but as far as I know, mm -hmm. that this position, you know, making sure the spine is as straight as you can have it, and then creating an air pathway. Uh, and then settling into the body, I am pretty sure that's from the East. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, talking about, you know, the, the point, again, kind of going back to my, my previous statement and my attitude, right? Mm -hmm. Using meditation for relaxation, my response would be, well, I can relax by taking a nap, and that's a whole lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to go take a nap. <laughs> or mine. I'm right. going to go play an extra game of racquetball to get my mind straight or, you know, go to the gym. That's right. Not, not, not the intent of meditation. Yeah. 
Sure, sure. And and I think a lot of people like get into Buddhist teachings after starting meditation. But for me, it was the opposite way. Like mm-hmm. I started getting actually engaging in, in a meditation practice as a result of trying to study the concepts mm-hmm. of Buddhism, mm-hmm. you, know? Wow. Um, you know, a year or two before we started this podcast. Um, so we talked a little bit about what we thought it was. And now real quickly, I'd like to hear from you. What is meditation for you? And how's it different than what you thought it was before you started? Yeah, I, I think what I do think it is, I encounter it as being a method of slowing down, uh, a method of getting in touch with the body, uh, and a way of clearing the mind. I don't think I'm, I've said this before in Temple, I like the meditative Steve more than I like the you know, run around agitated Steve. So I do think it helps one to be in the body and feel more alive. Because again, as I'll talk a little bit about here as we go along, how I've been taught or where I've come to is is taking that breath in and taking that breath out actually connects you in a way. I mean, you're always connected, but that breath in and breath out is your uh, is an exercise in interdependence. And, you know, not to get into the studies on meditative states and how that affects the brain and bodily function, and all that, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty clear that you do create a different brain and body state. So, Norman Fisher is a great writer and, and Zen teacher, and he says that you'll hit a point where you want to meditate more than you want to do almost anything else. Actually, I think he says, you know, almost, not almost, but anything else. And, you know, I, I've hit that point to where I desire it. It helps me to be better in the waking world. So I think it is uh, sitting down to clear and reconnect with consciousness and get in Mm -hmm. one's body. Totally not how I started out. And I'll make that distinction when I do trainings, mindfulness, meditation, Buddhist meditation, and they are different. Last thing Mm -hmm. you said, be quick and here I go. But the mindfulness stuff, when I tell students and and, in trainings, you'll start, if you want to start in mindfulness, be wary, because if you stick with it, and I don't know how long, six months, a year, you'll start to have different, what I call openings, psychological openings and emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. to where you'll start to have some questions pop up, and you'll have bodily you know, reactivity and psychological reactivity. And you may then want to think about a deeper you know, Buddhist and or uh, tradition, traditional meditation. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point that that you know when you do this it does kind of create space and you know things arise in that space that you probably need to look at and that may be challenging for folks. Well, and so much so that some people now will and I think it's wise uh before they do their meditation training or let's say they do a talk they'll say, you know, be careful if there's trauma, if there's anxiety because this can actually exacerbate some of that. I've noticed that some temples mm-hmm. even have a written, you know, clause on that you read before you do meditation yeah which which makes sense to me um Mm -hmm. i also wanted to follow up and ask too what if you wouldn't mind what is your daily practice if you have a daily practice i assume you do yeah um you've been doing this for a while so yeah i the when i'm at my best i'm doing things in the morning and then a couple of times through the day and in the morning uh not every morning depends you know some of the you know work workload and such but uh, i try and do at least an hour and i'll do oh some days i'm a big follower i shouldn't say that but i really like sam harris's uh waking up and so i'll do you know like 20 minute meditation 
uh, and then do maybe a 30 minute, about an hour, uh, a little bit longer if I can. And then um, just, you know, open meditation where I'm, I'm not listening to his voice or, you know, doing anything directed. Um, and mm-hmm. then that's usually two or three times a week. And then a couple times to three, I'll do some sort of Dharma study. Um, I'm reading uh, Lama Owen's uh, Love and Rage about people of color in, in the Buddhist practices. And um, mm-hmm. he, he's a gay, cisgendered, African-American man. And so I'll take a, no, oh, not much, but maybe a couple of paragraphs and kind of clear and then read that and then take something from that into meditation. And then I try and do a 20, 30 minute at least at lunch and or toward the end of the day. Okay. And so you do a pretty extensive practice for what it sounds like compared to like just somebody that's just starting out, I would imagine. Yeah. And, you know, I was taught years ago to ask people to give five minutes a day when they start out, 10 minutes and expand to 20 minutes over weeks and a period of time of maybe two to four weeks and then journal mm-hmm. and monitor how that goes. But uh, and that's how I started. And that was so hard to even stop for that five or 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but again, this is like, my goodness. So this is, I'm in my third decade of doing some form of meditative work so so yeah it's evolved to a pretty sustained practice a lot of people will say 20 minutes a day is 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 good at least three times a day and or i'm sorry three times a week and the more the better might sound like good advice but if it's not of a certain focus and quality you can actually short circuit and go ah never mind and walk away from it so i suggest you know you do a gradient kind of practice yeah. Um, and so um, my practice is not nearly as extensive as yours, which mm, and is you're newer to it. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I was going to say that's to be kind of expected based on, on where I'm at in, in my journey as far as all that goes. The other thing I think that I want to make note of is that when you're describing your practice, you're, you're actually mentioning multiple types of meditation kind of being incorporated and intermixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so one of the points I think we may end up making is that as you go through this, you have to find the ways that work for you because there's a lot of different yes. ways to meditate. Yes. Yeah. Um, and mindfulness may be the path for you. There, there may be different paths that, that help you get to where you need to get. Um, and you may find that you are actually kind of mixing multiple types. Because I find that in my practice right now, there are two or three types of things that I'm kind of mixing in. Um, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll actually kind of go into it here in a second. But um, that have been really helpful for me that I've found over the last few years that I'm kind of incorporating. But um, just to kind of answer the same question I asked you as far as what did I, you know, I, that's what I thought it was. What is it now? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, what, what it is, is that it actually is learning to sit with myself and be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so often we try to really do everything we can to not be still and to not sit with ourselves, because when we sit with ourselves, we have to look at things. And if we look at things, for me at least, if I don't like what I see, I have to change it. All right. Like uh-huh. I can't notice something in the self, find it unacceptable, and leave it. I have to do something with it. Um, otherwise, it's just like that scab that you just keep picking at. Right. Right. And so once it increase, once it arises into awareness, it needs to be addressed. Um, and so you know, I think there was some part of me that just like don't let it rise into awareness. Keep going. You know. Um, and so for me, really slowing down, um, learning to, to sit with myself and, and even in times of feeling that I'm not okay, noticing the parts of the self that are okay so that I can be not okay and okay at the same time mm-hmm. has been really useful. 
and then also it, it creates a gap between mm-hmm. stimulus and response, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it helps me notice without attaching what's happening. And so that's kind of like what I would say some of the fruits of the practice have been for me over the last, the last few years. Um, I go back and forth in terms of how engaged I am in my practice. There was a period where I was really struggling to get it started. Um, and then I made the decision that I'm going to do something every day and it doesn't matter how long it is. If it's a minute, it counts. That's yeah, good enough, good, good. you know, and, but I'm just going to do it. And then when I did that, I actually got to the point where I think I had 90 days or hundred days straight of meditation. It was really mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I was feeling really good. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting hung up on, well, I need to do longer. I need to do longer sits. I need to do more of this style. I need to do it more correctly. And then it started drifting. And then, it, and then I stopped being as, as good with it. Um, I also have not really had a teacher. Um, and so I've had podcasts and conversations and, and, you know, conversations with you, Steve, and, and different things like that, where it's like, I get some guidance, mm-hmm. but no, like, sit with me focused instruction. And so um, one of the things that I'm currently doing is trying to really have a more focused practice that has some longer sets in it, um, while also doing the just like, if, if it's a guided meditation to fall asleep, you know, I'll do that too. Mm-hmm. So that way I'm still doing something every day, but still having, you know, two to three, four, 20 to 30 minute set sessions a week is the goal. But I've mm-hmm. started engaging in a local meditation community here in Springfield. Um, that's kind of a secular oriented um, mix of multiple practices, not all Buddhist, but it's kind of more of a meditation group with a, with a Dharma talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Buddhist stuff in there, but it's not just a traditional Buddhist group. There's a, there's a fair number of Buddhists there, I believe, but it is very secular and very much focused on just meditation. And, and that's been helpful. And I've been going through an instruction, like a intro to meditation course with them, which has mm-hmm. been very helpful. I missed the last one, unfortunately. Um, but like really kind of like, okay, I went and self-taught myself how to meditate. I think it's time for me to go get some actual instruction um, yeah. to, to help me take it to that, to the uh, a place where I can integrate it more because I'm running into some barriers as I'm trying you know, so to help me with that. Yeah, I think that's normal to, to hit hit those barriers. And you're describing, you know, what happened with me. I, I remember hitting a point where I'm like, I mean, I, I finished supervision with this guy and um, I found myself wanting to know more about it and be more consistent with it. And um, there were, I tried different meditation groups and then an actual temple group. And I just had to shop around to get something that fit. And I think we have to understand that meditation in the U.S., let's say, is really different than growing up in a culture where it's traditional and, you know, you, you start, you know, uh, started one month, kidding, a year or so, you know, where you're in that mm-hmm. meditative context and then people train you as, as when you're very young on how to create that stability and clearness in mind. So it's it's take what works and stick with it. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember trying meditation groups and it just didn't work. And then one quick thing, it's really important somewhere along the line, if you're going to deepen your meditation practice to get a teacher, that, that, mm-hmm. that as we say at Temple often, I didn't know what I was doing and not doing that was beneficial to me till I sat with a, medit- uh, a meditation mm-hmm. instructor. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at with my practice. Like I've got because I deal with anxiety, I deal with depression. And so starting with guided meditations help deal with the anxiety that can arise in just traditional silent meditation. So that, that helped me start, 
right? Mm-hmm. And then now as I'm moving into that other thing, I'm noticing physical discomfort, body pain, um, and different things like that, where it's like having somebody that to observe your posture mm-hmm, to, exactly. to help you correct because my spine isn't as straight as it needs to be. And so it's causing discomfort or, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, we had an entire class on just posture um, right. and we did an entire 30 minute meditation focusing on being mindful and observant of posture and the effects that it has on, on your sitting, right. right? Um, right. And, and your comfort level and all that, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then like going into like objects, objects of focus. And, and the one I missed was barriers, which is funny because that's what I really wanted to do. I just couldn't make it um, like barriers to, to meditation. But like mm-hmm. this group does some really great stuff. But that teacher piece, I think, is is pretty important and hopefully something that'll benefit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and I, one other piece to it, I, I uh, being distrustful of organizations um, and churches and religious institutions, it took me... Oh my, years and years and years before I finally actually joined here in Tulsa, the, the Tambao Sangha, English-speaking Sangha. And that resistance um, was was ill-placed, I'll, I'll say. Well, maybe not in the case of some of the damaging places that I had experienced as a kid, churches mainly. But uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, I, I, it was like for a month there, in a serendipitous manner, I'd read him and... Uh, he would bring that up that you have to sit with the group to really mm-hmm. get the full. And I think, eh, I don't want to do that. And then someone brought it up. So sitting with the group is really, uh, is it's a good practice. I think there is something different about sitting with a group of like-minded folks and in, yep. in silent meditation. It's, yep. it's, um, it's a great experience. I, I'm really appreciating the community yeah, um, and yeah, appreciating yeah. the kind of shared um, kind of orientation towards, this being an important thing to incorporate in life. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it also, I think, helps with accountability, too. Of like, oh, yeah. Are you yeah. maintaining support your practice? And, yeah, support yeah. accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we've yeah. done it a couple of times in Temple here in Tulsa, where you'll get a meditation partner, and for five minutes, you'll meditate. They'll observe your posture, and, you know, whether you kind of sag as you're getting into it, then you switch out. And that, that was hugely beneficial. So, yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We haven't done that so far at this point with the group I've been with, um, and I've only been a few times. I'm like, right. I'm not actually like a part of the group. Like, it's yeah. just um, I've been like the last month or so. I've been I've been going, and it's been very helpful. Um, also, I wanted to speak really quickly, and in, in terms of my meditation practice, um, you you kind of mentioned kind of a melding of of multiple approaches. What I've been finding that I've been doing, as I said, is, you know, starting off with a body scan and trying to pay attention to posture and make sure I'm kind of, my spine is straight, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm sitting, you know, pretty, pretty, I'm not leaning too far forward or back or to the side, I'm kind of just steady and do a body scan, notice, noticing points of tension and trying to release the tension, breathe into the tension. Um, and then I, I find that it's been really helpful for me to do that. And then kind of go into a meta meditation for mm-hmm, a while mm-hmm. um, of loving kindness meditation and kind of go through that process. And then from that it, on the longer sets, um, then go into focus on breath. Um, and then whenever something arises, because thoughts will naturally arise, that's what they do. Um, pay attention and kind of catalog it. Is this in, in terms of you, in terms of like the three poisons, right? Is this an aversion response? Is this like the story that's forming in my brain? that is wanting me to grab onto that log that's floating down the river and have it take me on a ride, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? Is this aversion? Is this greed? Is this ignorance? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. identify the part of the self that's reacting in that, that way. Wow. Like, so like, oh, the story that I'm telling is a catastrophic story in my brain that is a aversion response. And so there's a part of me, there's a small me that's like having this response. I'm going to meet that with meta. I'm going to meet mm-hmm. that self with loving compassion. So I'll just do a, may I be, you know, and kind of go through the, whatever I'm focusing on in terms right. of loving kindness that day yeah. and then come back to the breath. And so it's kind of a identify, catalog it, meet it with compassion, come back to the breath. Oh, nice. And so that's what I've been doing with my practice lately, which has been really helpful. Yeah. Well, again, you're hitting that tailoring it to where you're at under guidance of at least the class. You know, there are two big, broad types of meditation. Um, Well, there's a categorization into uh, calming and clearing is one Mm -hmm. type, and then insight is the other type. And so I think that's important to keep in mind, whatever practice a person would take up, you almost always have to do the clearing calming before you can really you know delve into the deeper insight type meditations because and this has been written about in in um oh some some journal type neuropsych or maybe even you know just straight old psychotherapy stuff that uh americans have a hard time slowing down and i've even read that it, <laughs> it may be better to start with walking <laughs> meditation because mm-hmm. you know you can start to try and do the breath in traditional breath meditation and actually get more anxious or just give up because you can't slow the mind down and so important to develop something about dealing with the thoughts that arise because that's what the mind does i mean it's going to happen mm-hmm. and not create an antagonistic or blame oriented ah, see there you go again you're not meditating right uh but mm-hmm. more to greet the thought and you know one thing that i've practiced with is oh thought you know just mm-hmm. labeling it and then letting it go or uh-huh. oh i'll what, what i do personally is oh there you are again befriend it and say, mm-hmm. deal with you later, or you know, something like that. But yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. There is a kind of noting category or component to what, I, what I'm doing as well. It's like, oh, this is like identify the emotion. This is fear. Right. This is an aversion right. response. And then, you know, and then yeah. that other part. But yeah, that, that categorizing. And you talk about different types of meditation. I did a quick search of like types of meditation. Uh-oh. I'm seeing articles of like nine types of meditation, 16 types of meditation. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow, there's so much out there, right? Oh, true, true. And uh, my teachers in, in Denver were, we'll start out with the, the basic body scan. Oh gosh, I don't know, maybe six months of seating, seating in the body with the breath, paying attention uh, in a calm, abiding way, not the rigid evaluative way. And then mm-hmm. we moved into some Vipas, uh, Vipassana uh, meditation insight. And there's a great book, um, and it has a set of recordings, I think still via CD, so you'd have to convert them, called Mindfulness Meditation, I think, by Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein. That book was pivotal for me because it, I could do it on my own, not have to go to temple or, so, or meditation mm-hmm. group it, back in my Denver days. And then I would go to meditation group. But that helped me to be disciplined with a certain curriculum uh, mm-hmm. and and then listen to the actual meditation, 2030 guided meditations by Goldstein and Salzburg. Uh, so a plug for that out there. It's very cheap these days because I think it's they never converted it to an yeah. audio file. So but that that's a great one. 
I think I got a copy of that on your recommendation. I've not worked through it yet at this point because it's, I think when it comes to these things, we could just collect books and then at some point we read them. Hey, that's, um, that's a big attachment issue with me, books. You know? Yeah, man. With my ex-wife and I, whenever we moved at one time, we had more books than anything else. And that's we had, all I uh, have, some, I think. <laughs> some families say, we are never moving you again unless you get rid of some of those books. Yeah, yeah I, I had some movers <laughs> look at me when they were moving me, moving me to an upstairs apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was maybe only a third of what I have now. And one of the movers looked at me and says, you better read all these books once we take them up these three flights of stairs i'm gonna watch you read these books but yeah yeah, yeah. um the, the other piece i want to mention too real quick is that uh, i did not mention any of the i, I kind of mentioned the path to, to meditation that i have in, in terms of like the buddhist practice and all that but there's also that shamanic piece of it as well where there's uh, a lot more kind of trying to enter trance state um trying to hypnagogic state trying to to, to use that and do journeying and different things like that. That's been, been a part of, of my meditation practice as well. That has more yeah. visualization, more yeah. kind of structure, more kind of trying to be open to, to something outside of the self and, and kind of receive, um, which can kind of mess with your mind too. That can be kind of freaky. Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, I, 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 I almost said I got that covered with healers I've seen also. And I, I think, when I think back to trance states and medicine men, in native uh, indigenous medicine folks that have helped me along, they'll do this kind of go into this trance or, you know, go into this state. And what did you bring back? You know, mm-hmm. that's totally not what my uh, meditation, I, I'm not looking mm-hmm. to bring anything back. But I think there was a period of time when I sought out a lot of counsel from healers and it really, it was distinct, but very much augmented the meditation. So, but that may not be Absolutely. the same for other folks. Sounds like it is for you too. It's kind of all in that same zone or not? I mean, to me, it's all just variations on a theme. And so mm-hmm. like, what is the intent that you're setting with mm-hmm. the time that you're spending? Um, mm-hmm. And then depending on what you're needing to do. You kind of go into different things. And so like with the shamanic practice, the, the idea is to very quickly be able to drop into a trance state yeah, um, to yeah. be able to, to do, be able to do work, which is different than like the meditation practice where you're sitting there in silence and, and you're, you're kind of doing whatever type of meditation you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, I guess for me, the orientation feels different. And I'm speaking, you know, as, as, um, you know, a novice to, to these things. And so mm-hmm. I am not speaking as an expert. I want to make that clear. Yeah, nor I, um, yeah. Because I've not been doing it for, for 30, 40 years, right? Yeah. Um, so I can just speak to my experience. Right. Um, so what I will say is that it's like, from my understanding, like if I'm doing kind of any kind of energy work with folks or, or which I don't do a ton of, I'm, I'm studying it, I'm learning it, I'm not practicing it, um, except for my personal life, right? Um, but anyway, so when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm working with folks or I'm doing my own thing with that, the intent is to try to, to enter that state to, to help somebody else. Right. And right, so you're trying right, to enter right, that right. hypnagogic state um, to try to gain insights that might be helpful to the client or to the person, not client in the therapeutic sense, but client in that shamanic coming to see you sense. Right. Right. Um, that's in why you're learning these these practices, um, whereas the meditation tends to be more for the self. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like I'm using this tool to do a thing versus I'm using this tool to better understand the self and develop these things, mm, mm. Um, these ways of being. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think the mindfulness is is more for boy big generalizations here, but 
mindfulness is more for self-attunement in, in my book. Deeper Buddhist meditation, <laughs> I'm feeling really self-conscious with these terms, but is more <laughs> about actually, uh, I, I call it uh, confronting gently, defanging mm-hmm. and dissolving self. In, in the yeah. deeper meditations, because I want to get that transcendent interconnectivity, interdependence, and, and you know, that breath in, breath out, and deep meditation, you know, you do day-long retreat, or, you know, a week of, of uh, a week-long retreat, or a weekend retreat, you'll notice your detox, <laughs> you know, in that mm-hmm. second or third day to where you, in, in my view, you're actually you're conscious in a different way. There's much more of an interdependence. And, you know, when you do these retreats and there's no talking, you, you find that mm-hmm. you develop a sense of communication without verbal uh, cues and you you seat into, I think, a different mind state. So, and that's actually dependent upon, to some extent, to a large extent, again, in my book on um, defanging, dissolving, and ultimately transcending uh, ego states and self. So I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I, there, there is separation there. And I also think for me, I could not do the stuff that I've been trying to do with the shamanic work um, mm-hmm. had I not been practicing some form of meditation for yeah. years before. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because yeah, I mean, you are basically, and, and even doing things like focusing on posture and like, like how you hold your hands and things like that to kind of almost train the body to drop quickly into this state exactly right um and and noticing like physical sensation shifts of like like when i'm entering to that state my hands get kind of tingly mm-hmm. right like i notice that my, my forearms and my hands get kind of tingly as i enter into that state and so so noticing that and then noticing that with meditation and, and mm-hmm. kind of going i know that if i do these things with my breath i will drop i will relax to the point that i'm dropping into that mm-hmm. state you know within a pretty short amount of time um but I had to develop that. Um, yeah. And I'm still very much in the development process. I don't do well with long sitting. I mean, I'd struggle yeah. to sit over 30 minutes. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Which prompted the, this, this podcast, to be quite honest. I'll share with listeners. Um, Steve and I are actually have plans and have signed up for a, a couple-day silent retreat in a few months. And we're actually hoping to, to record something on that because I've never gone to a, a, a meditation retreat and Steve has, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've done a few of those, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, um, and so this is my first experiences and I'm looking at the curriculum of two days of silence with multiple hour blocks of sitting and walking meditation and mindful eating and, and all this. I'm going, wow, I'm not prepared to sit for three hours straight. <laughs> 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 you know, like, I don't know if my body can handle well, that. And, and I want to, for people out there, you know, that worry about being able to do that on the cushion, I I can't. I just have too many, mm-hmm. too many back and knee issues. So I use a meditation bench, and even then, the max I can do is maybe an hour. And so, yeah. um, there used to be, especially in the Zen tradition of, you know, sit straight, you know, sit on the cushion. You have to have it, you know, be in the lotus position, but. Uh, people so you can use a chair mm-hmm. you know you you can get up and walk if needed and uh the goal is to do as long as you can the best you can but i, I have to switch to chair these days 
It's just mm-hmm. uh, no way. And the cushion, and I was sad because I liked the cushion, and that's how I started. But I tried different versions of cushions, and I finally said, oh, I can. And then um, we have a fellow at Temple that actually hand makes his uh, meditation pitches. So I got one of those, and uh, I, world of difference. But yeah, it's yeah. it's American Buddhism has adapted to American back issues and knee issues because you just it, many of us can't do it. Yeah, and, and for me, it's you know if I'm sitting on a cushion, so I, I have a I shattered my kneecap when I was in high school, so I can't do like a kneeling bench because putting direct mm-hmm. pressure on that kneecap is just awful. And I've been advised to never do it if I can help it, um, which also made installing flooring fun when I was in my twenties, by the way, because it was post knee injury and I needed to make some money. Um, so, um, so that doesn't work. And then I have really like inflexible hip and knee joints just in general. So sitting on a cushion can be really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like needing to bolster the knees and all that kind of stuff. And so then sitting in a chair, you try that, but then I also have mid back pain. It's just like mm-hmm. 40 is not fun. I'll yeah, tell you what. Well, well, neither is 61, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the the, the retreats I've done that you can, you can modify and get up and you know the mm-hmm. the other at the other end of it you know there's walking meditation which you know that that I want to say because you know our stereotype view is to sit on a cushion but walking meditation is viable and having done that it, it sometimes interspersing that with sitting especially on these retreats it is 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 a great practice yeah and I think this place I think the plan is. 15 minutes of sitting, 10 minutes of walking, and yeah. three-hour blocks, right? Yeah. And so there's yeah. going to be a mix in there, so that'll be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so part of the reason why we spent so much time, we actually spent, I think we're pretty close on the length of what our podcast would typically be, I just noticed, which is humorous to me, yeah. um, was to kind of normalize this experience and kind of say there's no 100% right way, right? I was listening to something on instruction where they're like, you don't need all the... the um, all the spiritual teachings and all this stuff, which I actually don't agree with. Um, but it's just kind of like, you know, this is how you do it. This is the right way. You don't need all this other noise. You don't need this other nonsense. You need to do it this way. And it's like, I don't think that's helpful for folks to hear. I think people need to hear that there's a lot of different ways you can do this. And the reason there's a lot of different ways you can do this is you have to have a find a way that works for you, Yes, which means try different things. And, and, you know, Steve and I are going to talk about some kind of ways to get started on this. Um, and we may split this out into a second episode and just record this real quick. We'll see. Um, but really the idea is, you know, your path may look very different than my path or Steve's path or the, the path of the teacher you're speaking to or your friends or whomever. Right. But you have to find the ways that work for you and find a way to incorporate them in just starting something. Um, is mm-hmm. important. This, mm-hmm. like I was saying, that person I was listening to earlier was talking about. You know, you don't need all the spiritual stuff. You don't need all the rules and restrictions and all this. It's not helpful. It gets in the way, and it's like actually those things can really help you move further in your practice. From my perspective, um, mm-hmm. they probably aren't helpful necessarily to start. They can be overwhelming, but once you start, like you start to run into barriers and, and obstacles, and these can really help you navigate those. From my perspective. And the other thing was, is you have to do it every day for the rest of your life. And if you're not going to do it every day for the rest of your life, don't even bother starting. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that sentiment either. If like, mm. this may come and starts and stops. This, this is a cyclical process. There's times when you're more engaged. There's times when you're less engaged. Don't judge it. Just show up as you can to the best of your ability as frequently as you can and give yourself some, comp- some compassion. Um, 
And so I really wanted to kind of talk through our journeys a bit to, to give that perspective. Um, and so that way, if, if you're listening to this and wanting to go, well, now what do I do? Um, or if you're listening to this going, I'm, I shouldn't be doing this or I'd like to do it, but I'm not good enough or I'm, you know, I'm not disciplined enough or whatever, hearing from both of us that, yeah, there's times when you, we're more disciplined. There's times when we're not. There's times when we're more engaged. There's times when we're not. That's normal. That's okay. Just start, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Get on the path. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of my, my thought on that. So, yeah, I think, you know, this would probably be good to, to end it at this point. Mm-hmm. What final thoughts do you have? Dr. Well, I, I, some of what you're saying there, Dr. Carver, is, um, <laughs> is um, yeah, start, uh, find something, don't get intimidated. I mean, because th- there, are, there are traditional Eastern manuals, I guess you'd call it, 25 page, 30 page, maybe more so on how to meditate. Don't be intimidated some of what Chris was saying, start, but find a, find a good, a good fit for you. And it will, it, it will require some discipline because, you know, the, the, the fruit of meditation is changing habits, changing brain states. And given how busy and, and, you know, crazed we are in the West and the negative self-talk and all that, you're actually replacing neural circuits, if you will, um, and so be sure to be disciplined to the extent that you don't feel intimidated and want to give up. Maybe that's a good way to say it because you, you mm-hmm. do need some instruction to give you a format on how to move forward. But the important thing is getting on that path and finding the modifications that help enhance your meditative states. I would say, uh, uh, next time we will experiment with some or present, I should say, uh, and experiment with some uh, different types of uh, guided meditation and breath meditation for those who are listening. Yeah, like provide some some different types and, exactly. and some resources for folks. Yeah. yeah. Um, my 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 goal with the with the next one would be that you know hopefully people that listen can like for me one of the things that's really helpful is the normalization of exactly. oh I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yep. Oh I'm not the only one that runs into that problem. That's just a problem we run into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is actually not abnormal. It's normal. It's just part of it. Yeah. Huge, right? huge thing um, normalizing. Yeah. And then some, here's some ideas of ways to, to navigate through that. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, thank you for the support. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to, to, to send us a note, um, contact at courage to be counseling.com would probably be a good one. Um, you can find the, the podcast on courage to be pod.com, um, or any other place that you stream your podcast. You're obviously have found it somewhere cause you're listening. So <laughs> probably don't need to tell you how to find it. Um, but feel free to share. Um, and, um, yeah, we look forward to talking with you all soon. Yeah. Everyone take care.